As soon as we try to record an episode, news breaks, everything goes crazy. The Pac-12 may be coming back, following in Big Brother Big Ten's footsteps. Larry Scott is consistently trying to crash the conference, and we have new news that you will not believe. John Canzano eviscerates and has made a crusade about getting Larry Scott out, and we are all behind that. And a series of other events that you must hear to believe it. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden. This is the Pac-12 Apostles. Thank you guys for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles, the podcast by Pac-12 fans for Pac-12 fans, where we bring you the real. We bring you the honesty. We're going to tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there's a lot that is going on right now. Uh, you can guys can get a hold of us. I'm mad. I am mad at unafraidshow.com to send us an email. You can hit us on Twitter at Pac-12 Apostles. Uh, he's at Ralph Amsden, and I'm at George Reister. You guys make sure too that you leave a five star rating wherever you listen to podcasts and share with a friend, whether it's text, email, send him a DM, shoot it around so this podcast continue to grow and we continue to bring you the real. Oh, Ralph, uh, another time we recorded an episode, we dropped the episode, and then as soon as it goes, goes live, breaking news happens. How have we been managed to do this the last few times? This might be the way that we actually force them to announce that the, the season is officially back on by sitting down to record an emergency episode. The second it comes out, you know, what won't be included on there is that Larry Scott announces that, you know, we're, we're back on uh, on October. What, what? It's the Pac-12, so you still have to expect that there's like a, thir- a random Thursday game. <laughs> October 29th. Here we come. Dude, so, okay, so I'm going to start everybody back at the beginning. So a couple days ago, the Big Ten announces they are back. They People thought that they were going to do it on Sunday. Then they thought Monday. Then on Tuesday, they announced under the um, that they're coming back. They have this cool new testing policy because we have been on board. I think we both have been saying uh, things are a little bit risky. And we thought that, well, at least I'll, I'll just speak speak for me. I thought that it was vigilant by the Big Ten and the Pac-12, the way that they were making a stand and weren't just plowing forward like dummies. And I thought it was like Argo, that this was the very best bad idea or the the least risky way to do something very risky. Like when you go bungee jumping, you have two bungees, you, you make sure you got double leg straps. If you're going to go skydiving, you have a parachute, a backup parachute. You jump with a buddy so he can grab you in case something really goes wrong. If you're going to go zip lining, you don't use one line. You go to places that have a double zip line just in case something bad happens. So what the Big Ten is doing is they're having their, obviously all of their athletes are going to be consistently tested, but they're going to be doing a point of contact test every day that they have practice or at the facility before games. It's a 15-minute antigen test. And what that does is it's about 97% uh, uh, accurate. 
And once you're tested every day, by, by the time you get tested two days in a row, that 97% becomes 99%. That's just the way the math adds up. However, if you test positive, then you then have to go get a PCR test, which is the uh, polymer polymers chain reaction test, which is that 48 hour test, which is pretty accurate. That is the accuratest test as you can get right now. And if you do test positive, you're mandatory out for 21 days. And then during that 21 days as well, you have to have uh, cardiac testing labs, biomarkers, ECG, echocardiogram, and cardiac MRI. And then following the cardiac evaluation, the student athletes must then get clearance from a cardiologist that's designated by that university. And like I said, the earliest that they can return is 21 days following a COVID positive diagnosis. And if a team, you know how some of the conferences like the Big 12 was saying, well, if a position group is wiped out, you just have to have 53 guys, all this. No, what the Big 10 is saying is, is that if you are 2% or under, then you're in that green zone. And if you're in a green zone, then you can proceed as, as normal. You get in between 2 and 5%, then you could be shut down, but not necessarily. You do need to change your practice plan and all that. If you get 5%, which, which on a team of 120 players is like six players, test positive, then you have to shut down for seven days. Uh, shut everything down for seven days. So that's the Big Ten plan to return to football. And they're going to start up on October 23rd, which that that weekend, October 23rd, October 24th, which is not quite the six weeks it's going to take to come back. Well, that the NCAA said that you needed to come back because most of the Big Ten teams have been practicing somewhat during this time. Not all of them, but some of them which could eventually lead to soft tissue injuries and all of that, but that's the date they've chosen. So naturally, the next day, the Pac-12, I mean, granted, like since they're so close, you would have thought they would have been talking. But no, the Pac-12 then comes out the next day, and they're like, oh, wow, we're going to be the only kids left out on the on the play yard. Players are starting from USC, start writing letters on USC letterhead, which is weird because the players aren't aren't actually with the university, in terms of employees, but this on the school's letterhead, which means Clay Clay Helton may have been trying to get cover for things he wanted to say. But I, I, I digress. Continue on. The players start making a little bit of rumbling. Not that mean like literally one fiftieth of what the Big Ten players had already started, but but none, nonetheless, the rumblings had started. The Pac-12, which had solved the testing problem, then says. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, we have solved the testing problem, but it's the state's issues uh, between California and Oregon. So you have Gavin Newsom, the governor, and Kate Brown in Oregon. Kate Brown, uh, the Oregon schools go to Kate, Kate Brown. They're like, she's like, you know, now that you figured out this testing and have a protocol, cool. We'll uh, work it out. But then her office also says the Pac-12 has never submitted a protocol 
uh, a potential protocol to them for what they wanted to do for her office to approve, which is asinine, right? Considering that they had already solved the testing issue, uh, the testing contact tracing issue. You have uh, Ca- California. Gavin Newsom then says, listen, I never put in any protocol to set the USC, UCLA, Cal, and Stanford couldn't couldn't practice. And everybody's like, what? And everybody's pissed off then because they're like, what the hell? So you mean the Pac-12 didn't read the or pay attention to the uh to, to the protocols? But then we find out that no, they did. That it basically said what we thought that they can't have cohorts of more than 12 people, which how the hell are you supposed to practice football like that anyway? You 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 can run route routes on air, three on four. I mean, it's just silliness. So then so now here is where we are. The Pac-12 is trying to vote to come back, but um, but in the same breath, they're talking about coming back Halloween weekend. You have coaches making comments and the commissioner on Dan Patrick. So, Ralph, before we even get into what he said on Dan Patrick, how, how was my recap of the events that have happened? I feel like you got it. I mean, I I don't feel like you were uh, as angrily sarcastic as you you should have probably been. That Gavin Newsom said that uh, that holding um, a standard of of uh, groups needing to be twelve or fewer. Uh, does not preclude the Pac-12 from engaging in football-related <laughs> activities. I was—I I mean, I was trying to do the math on my fingers because even if you have one coach out there, just one, and if you have all the positions involved, you need the position coaches to be able to coach. Yeah. Right. So. Yep. If you have a quarterback, you need the quarterback coach. Like the probably the the least useful person in some of these situations is the actual head coach, but you need the position. Yeah. Because you you need people who understand the scheme and can correct what you're doing. So you could have technically your ones and twos on the offensive line along with their position coach. That's 11 people. They'd be practicing by themselves. They couldn't go up against anyone else. You could technically go your starting four defensive line plus the coach plus your starting five offensive line plus the coach and give the freedom of the head coach to come and go. But then your twos are doing nothing. Uh, They're not learning anything either. They're not around like the entire thing was absolutely absurd. And as much as Larry Scott drives me insane um, as the commissioner of the the PAC 12, Gavin Newsom trying to pass the buck and acting like you could have gotten by within the rules it's asinine. It is literally Im- impossible. It is literally impossible. You could not have made it work without violating some type of protocols. And speaking of violating protocols, this uh, uh, this just came across my screen as, as you were giving a recap. The entire uh, University of Colorado Athletic Department has been cited because uh, the football team took 100 people up a mountain um, without masks. So they didn't have their masks on as passerbys were on the trail uh, that they were on. So that's, uh, that's an issue, I guess. Um, uh, 
Uh, but they Boulder City of Boulder has cited the director of Colorado football with violating a health order after the team took more than 100 people on a team hike up Mount Sanitas with most players not wearing masks or social distancing. We don't need a social distance with your team uh, because I think technically you're exempt from the rules if you're engaging in athletic activities in Colorado. But if you're passing somebody on the trail, you do need to be able to pull your mask up. Um, A very, very dumb thing to get in trouble for uh the i don't know this whole thing is just so stupid um but back to uh back to G- governor newsom uh, the idea that governor newsom was so sensitive to criticism that a letter from usc student athletes could trigger him to and i i want to know who made the call i want to know if gavin newsom called larry scott or if larry scott called gavin newsom because all i know right now is they were on the phone with each other i think the biggest criticism of larry scott in this moment was that if there's a possibility this could have been handled three weeks ago we never would have known because larry scott didn't pick up the phone so what i want to know is if larry scott picked up the phone because of this letter or if Gavin Newsom was so sensitive that this letter from the USC student athletes came out and Jaden Daniels hit Gavin Newsom with a tweet that he's the one that called Larry Scott and got the ball rolling because Gavin Newsom's the one that called Larry Scott and got the ball rolling. Larry Scott shouldn't his card to get in their trillion dollar offices in San Francisco (laughs) should be deactivated immediately. Dude, yes, yes. He should look like that meme of Jamal Adams trying to get into the Jets facility. Uh, It's atrocious. And so maybe that's maybe that that maybe that's going to be my theory is that some of the Pac-12 employees that got laid off were actually the entire HR department. So it actually makes it harder to fire Larry Scott. Like that because <laughs> they don't have the protocols in place. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's all just strategy uh, for for Larry Scott to keep his his job. Because I, 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 is grifter, that important dude. to you? Is he that is important a, to you? Who made the call? Yes, because if if Larry Scott didn't, it, well, actually, if Larry Scott just made the call for the first time, that's a problem, right? If he if if Gavin Newsom made the call. That's still a problem. Like either way, if the fact that you never even sit after you got the testing stuff straight, which was like, when, when did he announce that almost two weeks ago? Once you got the testing stuff straight from Quidel, how on earth didn't you sit down and put in protocols like, oh, oh, this could potentially work. And especially once you knew that the Big Ten had it too, and they were going to try to do it. You can't be left the only conference trying to not play, dude. If you, if granted safety first, if you have a safe way to do it, which the big 10 protocols are by far the most stringent, they are, I would, I would let my kid go play with those protocols. I would. Um, and, and, and John, John Canzano from the Oregonian, he has clearly made it his mission to eviscerate Larry Scott, and I am on board. Like, I fired off a tweet before we even started today, and Ralph, Ralph was like, whoa, okay, okay, that's how you feel, huh? But I am beyond, like, I have no more room to be frustrated by Larry Scott as Pac-12 commissioner. He's a grifter 
who is crashing the conference while the presidents and chancellors watch it happen and they're not doing anything to stop it. Like it is clear and obvious. Like there's no way that you can pretend that this is not happening. And here is what the man said on the Dan Patrick show, because mind you, here's the thing that people did, didn't think about the reason part of the reason why the big 10 was making such a big fuss. They're like, yo, we have a potential. We, we have a plan now. Granted, it's about money too, but they're also like, we have a team that may win a national championship and there's money involved. And we actually have a way that we could potentially do it, even though there have been 26 games played and 19 games canceled so far. Um, here uh, and in the Pac-12, you you had Oregon that was in a similar situation as Ohio State, and they've already had Panay Sewell opt out. They've had um, Diamador Lenore starting corner, Thomas Graham starting corner opt out. And they may have Javon Holland, who could be a first-round draft pick, opt out as well from what could have been the best secondary in the country. But I digress. Here is what the dude had to say on the Dan Patrick Show. If we're going to move forward, it's going to depend on how quickly we can get back to practice. Six weeks would be from Monday to be ready for Halloween, uh, for a a Halloween time start. But we're only getting those rapid tests next week. So I think that it would be most ambitious, maybe a week or two too quickly for us. But somewhere in that zip code is where we would be playing, planning if we're playing. Well, playing if we're playing, if we're playing. OK, um, he also said this. I'm not expecting a vote today. I'm not going to push for one today. Um, About the about coming back with the league's presidents and chancellors. This has been a rapid developing series of events. We need to give the folks that lead our campuses a chance to digest all this, take into account everything going on on their campuses. <sighs> Ralph, uh, what what do you make of that? I mean, it, he's, he talks a lot without saying much. I mean, he put out that statement the other day after talking to Gavin Newsom, and there were 71 words in the first sentence. See, so he always has to make sure to thank a sponsor <laughs> and stuff like that. And so I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't see him talking somewhere and look for any kind of nugget at all. I just don't like when I see him, I tune him out. So you're saying that he is a a robot that only spits out talking points and and filler and filler to actual fill time without actually any substance. I guess. And I, I mean, he's more like the magician who pulls the rainbow flag out of their mouth. And you think that it'll be done after like eight tugs, but it goes for like 45 straight seconds of, <laughs> Uh, of the children's party musician pulling the flag out. And it's like, all right, we get it. You have a really long cloth in, in your mouth. Good for you. Like I just isn't, I don't, I, as soon as he starts talking, the amount of time that he spends beating around the bush, I'm just like, I will wait for uh, John Wilner or John Canzano or George Reister or Stu Mandel or Bruce Feld. I'll wait for somebody else to tell me what this means 
because it just doesn't he it's all filler. No, he's waiting on somebody else to tell him what to do. He's not a leader. Like I I get that he's Harvard educated, that he was over tennis, but he doesn't get it. It's clear that he does not get college sports. Like he has this idealist uh utopian society existence in his mind where all sports are equal and you know and women's and men's tennis is equal to football and gets the same billing. That's not the way it works. It it is it is like being dad at home. Dad at home gets the big piece of chicken. It's just how it works. Like, you know, the the uh the my my 14 year old son as much as he would like to get the biggest piece of chicken now get your ass up out of here boy <laughs> you know yeah. dad dad mom pay the bills around here so you so we get priority here and then you're you're still gonna get really good stuff but you don't go first like you don't get the pick of the litter that's the point speaking and- of paying the bills uh, John Canzano put out there that the uh, the, the Pac-12 signed an 11-year lease with the Kilroy Realty Corporation in November 2011 for $92 million. No, 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 no. I've, no I, I got to go back. Come on, Ralph. Get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. I'm, I'm, uh, what I'm hooked on is this number that I'm going to drop uh, on top of John Canzano's tweet. So, the Kilroy Realty Group bought the building that the Pac-12 conference is headquartered in for $92 million in November 2011. Uh, a month later, the Pac-12 signed an 11-year lease on a 70,000-foot uh, um, section of space in that building. And by the end of the deal, the conference will have paid $90 million in rent. So $90 million over 11 years that's 4015 days that comes out to $22,416 a day in rent now i am no expert in commercial real estate you obviously know a lot more about that just through proximity through your family than i ever would but let me make the assumption that commercial real estate works um in some way adjacent to the way that you would take out a loan to uh to pay for a home right like i mean it, it's it's not completely uh, out of the realm you're of not gonna get 30 year loans you're gonna be working with in between seven and ten year loans okay so let's assume that the kilroy realty group got the benefit of the doubt here and they they took out a 10-year loan for the 92 uh, million dollars. Well, well, you in commercial, you do have to put down in between twenty and thirty percent. Okay, so well, let's give them. Let's give them. Uh, let's give it to them that they'll split the difference. So that's minus twenty three million. So we're looking at sixty nine million. Nice. Uh, we're looking at sixty nine <laughs> million dollars uh, over in, in a loan. Yep. So over a 10-year period, $6.9 million a year. And then, so per month, $575,000 is would be essentially without interest. Obviously, there's going to be interest there. But just, uh, just paying the loan off straight, uh, which isn't really a thing, is $575,000 per month. Yeah, that means you'd be looking at somewhere around like 
$750,000 a month. Right. So I think, I think the PAC 12 is paying their mortgage. Yes. What are you talking about? Yes. They're paying eight, eight million, what? $8 million a year. They're paying six hundred and eighty-one thousand a month. Six hundred eighty-two thousand, if we're rounding up. They're paying six hundred eighty-two thousand a month to the Kilroy Realty Group to own nothing. They could have, <laughs> they could have from scratch built their own headquarters in Scottsdale, Arizona, and uh, had hella money left over. And for the, for the twenty three million dollars that they put down, that they would have had to put down, they could have built it in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. For and if you wanted seventy thousand uh, square feet worth of space in Las Vegas, you'd have been able to find it, and you'd have probably been able to find it for ten percent of what they pay. You you'd you'd have been able to pay seventy thousand a month for seventy thousand square feet of of space. Yeah. Hundred hundred dollars a square foot uh per year in rent. You you would have found that in Vegas. It is absolutely insane that they are straight up paying off the majority of the Kilroy Realty Group's loan. Here is what the other conferences pay in rent. The Big Twelve pays a hundred and seventy three thousand, ACC a hundred and seventy six thousand, SEC three twelve, Big Ten splurging at nine sixteen, but uh you know that they got that money, money. And Pac-12, $8 million. $8 million for the freaking year, dude. That's and, and and the other numbers were annual for the conferences. That wasn't monthly. That so the the Pac-12 is paying nine times more than the Big Ten, who's paying three times more. Than the high, than the other high, than the SEC, who's paying three times more <laughs> than the Big Well, two and a half times more than the Big Ten. I'm sorry, than the Big Twelve. I just so in 2022, what are they going to do? Are they going to admit their failure? Are they going to double down and spend the money to stay in San Francisco? They can't. Well, well, actually, if Larry Scott is still the head because they'll they'll say well we need to be close to our media partners uh but then like we highlighted on the other Man, episode what damn media partner <laughs> and that leads me to the next point the pac-12 uh, J- john k Gonzano brought up another great point that in the meeting with the presidents and chancellors they should ask them to raise their hand and say who can't get the pac-12 network at their house because it's only available in 17 million houses, down from the 18 million it used to be. The Big Ten network is in 73 million homes. SEC network, 70 million homes. And they also have more of their medium-tier games on television because the because Fox owns half the Big Ten and ESPN owns half the SEC. So they have more of their lower-tier games on television as well. Like it, it, it's, it's just, it's criminal. And then the fact that they're going to wait till 2024, nobody, you've, you've fallen so far behind and I can't echo this enough like that. Just because they're, they're saying, well, if they get out of the deal now, they'll have to pay money back. So effing what? 
You are losing right now. It is better to sacrifice. And truthfully, the networks, you won't even have to pay this money back because you'll tell them like, look, this ain't working for you either. Clearly. So we'll come up with a better plan that works for everybody. Damn, man. Like it, it is just, it's so freaking stupid. And, um, and also, and that's not even to come up with the, to, to fix the brand. The brand has been just devalued so much because of this damn grifter dude. And, and, and now you look like the, the big tens puppet. The Big Ten looks like it's it's running the Pac-12 around by its nose. <sighs> I'm not it, I'm not I'm not mad or anything. I did ask the question, um, and there there's a pretty funny tweet that I saw earlier that'll it, I think it'll it'll piss you off in all the right ways. It was a Nebraska fan saying, "Do we get credit? Uh, do we get credit for the Pac-12 restarting?" Because it's Nebraska that drove the Big Ten into the situation that it's in. And and without the Big Ten doing what they did, there's no way the Pac-12 does what they do. Um, and I, even, I think I, I even said that yesterday, uh, that it's very obvious that if the Big Ten doesn't vote to restart, there's absolutely no way we're having this conversation. None. Correct. I mean, it's just that, it, and and so people might say that you know technically the Pac-12 is looking at its own criteria and is actually dealing directly with the state of California and the state of Oregon to make sure um, that that all of this can happen. Um, but the truth is, none of those conversations would have taken place without the Big Ten making their move. It just it just wouldn't have. The Pac-12 followed the Big Ten into this. And supposedly did so on the backs of science that they were saying was better than the science that everybody else was taking a look at. Right? So then so then it, you ter- it turns out it's not about the science. It's just about the states holding you hostage. Well, it turns out the states say they're not the ones holding you hostage, and you never made contact with them to figure out what ways you could have a workaround because the 49ers are playing and the Chargers are playing and the Rams are playing. And so it, it really just makes the Pac-12 look very stupid. Then you have the president of the United States weigh in on the Pac-12, but only after the Big Ten, you know, he was taking credit for, you know, the the, the Big Ten um, making its way back. Which he didn't do because the, the uh, White House did not. The Big Ten explicitly said that they got no testing or supplies or anything from the White House, that they didn't help them in any way. But but this is 2020. If you say it on TV, it must be true, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess. That, and, and like we've pointed out on this show, there's going to there's be a segment of the population that believes everything that guy says, regardless of, of, of whether or not it has any merit. And so I think that there's enough people that are going to believe that Clay Travis and Donald Trump deserve credit for... Uh, making this happen. And I even, I tweeted out that the video of, you know, I don't think people liked it very much, but that clip from yes, man, uh, where I just said like, this is Clay Travis and the big 10 bullying the PAC 12 into, into making a decision. When the PAC 12 backs out of its decision to not play football in the fall, 
it really calls into question the reasons they were making the decision not to play in the first place. Like, I want to choose to believe that this virus is not political, but it's very obvious that our reaction to the virus has been. I want to make sure the kids, um, first and foremost, especially if they're not being paid, are protected. That's been your angle at it this entire time. You know, we we don't control the outcome of of what goes on. If they play, we're going to follow along. But for the most part, we've been we've been uh, shouting from the rafters that it's about understanding the virus. And if you can't play safely, then you know, do what you can to make make the decision um, to make sure that safety is is at the root of everything that you're doing. And because of that me, a registered Republican, and you, somebody who has a lot more conservative ideas than I think people want to give you credit for. <laughs> which uh, is which is crazy, right? Because yeah. the, the, the fact that people um, regularly on Twitter and comment on, you know, on the podcast and all that, where they're like, George, you're a liberal. I'm like, where though? Where? And you... You and Clay Travis actually just went back and forth earlier today, and I'm reading some of the replies. Uh, I'm reading some of the replies to to Clay, and they're they're calling you all sorts of uh, uh, weird names that are basically <laughs> painting you as a fear mongering, brainwashed, leftist, Marxist. Um, somebody who's just like hiding in the closet with, with pee running down your leg. And it's incredibly discouraging uh, because you have had the same mindset from start to finish. And you can make an argument that Clay Travis has too, but he's changed the criteria on what it takes in order for him to possess the mindset that he possesses uh, an infinite amount of times infinite amount of times yeah and i think that you know you you and clay just aren't going to see eye to eye um on on this issue and well, at my the end of the day was... you want the kids to be safe from something that we don't completely understand yes because his his idea was okay let's let's expose all the kids in college football to coronavirus that way then Kids don't have to sit out for contact tracing like they do for the Baylor Houston game. And I'm like, that's stupid because we don't know all of the long and short term consequences to, to this. So intentionally infecting somebody is stupid when the when obviously the best case scenario is to not get it. And this whole play at all cost thing, which I have already said, I would let my son play under the Big Ten protocol. So this is not me hiding in a corner with, with pee running down my, my leg. I'm just saying intentionally infecting somebody just so you can play football and don't miss games when reinfection is a potential possibility after three months after the antibodies wear off is and it may have organ and other effects on your body, which we do not know. Medical scientists do not know because it's too new. Like it's 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 stupid. Like and if people can't see the the difference between those two things, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess then you're just gonna have to be. Uh, um communist and uh i guess i i am too 
Yeah. Um, so oh. that's uh, that we're we're you know got to get our pro Lenin T-shirts and and uh, plan a trip to Minsk. Minsk. I can't even say Russian cities' names. I don't. I this thing is so dumb. I've been told that I am so many things that I don't even understand. <laughs> I don't even understand what they are. All I want, all I want is this unpaid labor to be protected from our desire to get paid and be entertained. I just want the people at the root of the thing that I enjoy to be protected so the institution can continue. Are there things about that institution that I'd like to see changed over time? Absolutely. But I don't want to see college football ruined in the short term, just so, or in the long term, just so I can enjoy it in the short term. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And if the people out there that are saying that we should play it safe uh, are wrong, then I'm sure a lot of them, if they're college football fans, will be happy to be wrong. But this idea that there's this huge conspiracy theory to bring college football to a halt because it'll make. the 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 president and by extension you know governors who you might disagree with look bad guess what everybody looks bad all the time because we're in an unprecedented situation everybody's practicing some form of decentralized leadership and then we're all online where you can hear everybody's voices all the time and most of us have really bad ideas on most things that we are not an expert in. So I I just don't think that there's some grand conspiracy to bring college football to a halt in order to, you know, replace the man in charge at the head of the country. Are there some people that think like that? I mean, maybe there's some people that think that uh, celebrities drink baby juice to stay young forever. You know, people believe dumb shit, but like me personally, I just want to see college football played at the absolute highest level. And I want to see the PAC 12 represented well. And uh, that's really hard to do with a pandemic going on and a dog shit commissioner in charge of a response to a pandemic. Yes. Um, and now it is time for us to play a little game uh, off of Bruce Feldman's tweets. <laughs> well, actually off of Bruce Feldman article called Who Said It? Which Pac-12 coach said this quote? I don't want to hear health and wellness out of anybody's mouth. One Pac-12 coach said Thursday morning before adding that his team had at least six injuries in one day in the training camp run up in the late summer. The We Are United players, they have a fucking point. It's not fucking ping pong. You just don't open the garage door and go play. I don't think that people know that when the seasons were postponed, the Big Ten and Pac-12 took completely different paths. They kept going like it was still training camp. They kept the same schedule like they were going to play. We didn't. Half our schools couldn't. Nose, Our nose is so fucking far up the Big Ten's ass. Let's just do what's best for the Pac-12. So let's do let's let's go through the coaches let's one go, by one yes, and explain why explain why it could be them and why it's probably not them. Okay, so um I have an idea, Ralph. Okay. Of of what order we should go in. Okay. Um should we go in alphabetical order? <laughs> 
By what? By like coach's last name or school? School, man. Jeez Louise. Okay. Or or I can just throw throw out coaches and save the best ones for last. Yeah, that's that's fine with me too. That's fine with me. Okay. Too. Let's go with Herm Edwards at Arizona State. Okay, so why could it be Herm Edwards? It can't be Herm Edwards. There, there's one, two, three. There's three f bombs and an ass. There's no <laughs> way that's that's Herm. There's no chance, unless he is like, you know, if he just took his time. You, you, you know, it would be like Tony Dungy making that quote. Like he, he would have had to call him, <laughs> you know, drunk in his twenties to make that quote. Okay, so so you're saying that there's nothing about that. Uh, you're saying there's nothing about that quote that could could ever make you think that that it's Herm. Correct. Nothing at all. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I think that beyond the profanity, the idea that Herm Edwards is worrying about anything else besides what's going on at Arizona State, um, is kind of silly. Like. Herm Edwards' brain has room for what is going on at ASU and what is going on in the markets where he still has, where he's still under contract to appear <laughs> weekly to talk about their NFL teams. So, like, he's got one eye on the Kansas City Chiefs and the other on ASU. Okay. <laughs> and so, I don't think he would even know enough about what's going on in the Big Ten to make that strong of a statement. Okay, Carl Durrell at Colorado. Definitely not. Um, I'm I'm going to go with definitely not because I don't think it's anyone who is a first year. I think the likelihood that it is a first year coach is very small. Yes, he barely even met his team. You know what I mean? Like that. Well, he did he did uh just have them all go go on a hike and, and <laughs> get in so maybe he's in a bad mood from getting cited by the city of Boulder. Yeah, he's like play he's like rules be damned. I mean, but he wasn't even in the Pac twelve last, so it, it just it just doesn't feel he wasn't even in college football last correct. Year, right? So yeah, it just doesn't feel it feels like somebody who's got a and a little bit of an axe to grind a little bit too. Um, next coach up, um, Justin Wilcox at Cal. Uh, this was a very animated statement. And Justin Wilcox is quite robotic in his public interactions. You know, I listened to him the liveliest he ever sounds is when he's talking to like Ashley Adamson and Yogi Roth on those Pac-12 podcasts that they that they put out. Um, I don't. I just don't think that. Uh, I don't think this is in him. This this uh, modality of speech. I don't think he's programmed to talk like that. <laughs> See, at my initial thought with that was was no, but as we continued to talk through it, I was like, hold up. This is an anonymous quote. So, and I know that uh Bruce covered uh covered Justin when we were at Oregon. 
So he knows or so he knows Justin, you know what I mean? Like so and I don't know how well Bruce knows his dad. So this could be, you know, that could be a thing. Like I am not because I know that Justin's a little fiery and 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 he'll drop some f bombs, dude. He he will drop some some colorful language and he definitely has thoughts and opinions on things that he would not share publicly. So I do believe that this could be him anonymously. However, though, too, you are the king of. So if anybody doesn't know, Bruce, I'm Bruce. uh, Ralph went through quotes from other Pac-12 coaches to see if some of the language was the same. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And so I I don't I don't know if uh, I don't know if it quite matches some of the stuff. But I so here's what I do know. Bruce Feldman has been reporting on the the movements of Justin Wilcox and Carl Durrell. I mean, I think Bruce Feldman might have even broken that uh, um, Durrell was brought in as the OC of, of, of Vanderbilt. And I think uh, over the years, Feldman has uh, broken some news on Justin Wilcox. I mean, it's the nature of the business that he's going to have reported on um, on most of these coaches um but i mean i think he broke the win wilcox was fired by usc um i i'm looking at some old tweets right now of bruce feldman talking about um how justin wilcox was not a candidacy for the oregon opening which means he was in contact with wilcox um about that process uh i saw him tweet about justin wilcox potentially bringing Tosh Lupoy to Cal, which means he was probably in contact with, um, with uh, Justin Wilcox there. Um, And, and I mean, if you, here's a tweet from January 8th, 2017, Bruce Feldman with Sonny Dykes out at Cal expect Wisconsin slash former USC DC, Justin Wilcox to get strong consideration for the head coaching vacancy. Uh, He also broke the news of Wilcox getting the job. Uh, as the Badgers defensive coordinators. So um, the possibility exists. The possibility definitely exists because I know that they, uh, they definitely have some type of relationship that allows Feldman to do his job um, as far as breaking news about Wilcox. Um, And I think, you know, Bruce Feldman even put out a list back in 2014 of his top 10 defensive coordinators in all of college football. Guess who's number six on that list? Mm. Justin Wilcox. So if you're saying this could be something that he'd say, and he does have opinions like that. And I can tell that going back in time, the two seem to have somewhat of a relationship. Um, well, we'll put this in the maybe column. See? Okay. So he's in the maybe column. Let's go to the man who had his team pinning letters on their letterhead, but but um, in Clay Helton. Clay Helton, is there any way that he said this? No. No, dude. <laughs> no he, way. He could never have an opinion th- this strong or with that many F-bombs in it. He's too nice of a guy. He'd be like, well, you know... You know, we're just trying to work simultaneously. Let's do it with a smile. He's like Jason Garrett without the clapping. He he straight up might be the nicest head coach I've ever had a sit down conversation with. Yep, he's just like it. Like 
when you say he's too nice, he literally is nice. Like that adjective can be accurately used to describe anytime anyone ever utters the number 69 uh, and USC's head coach. That's the only two times where I feel like it, it accurately uh, is, <laughs> is used. Cause you're always talking about like levels of nice, like, but, but he's, he's legitimately a nice man. Is he nice or is he kind? Because I was, I remember re- yeah. reading a thing about nice being like selfish and self self-serving where, where a kindness sometimes involves pain. Yeah, I guess. I guess kindness would be a trait uh, and nice would be an action in the moment because you can be a kind person and not be nice, I guess, depending on the situation. But you can't be um, you can't be a nice person and not be kind, probably. So, yeah, I guess we just say he's a he's a kind dude. He he is a really good dude. I feel bad every time we criticize him just because he's a uh, football coach. We're not criticizing the person. We're criticizing the coach. Um, How about your boy from the uh, Arizona Amsden's? Uh, um, oh Lord, Kevin Sumlin. Uh, here's why it could be him an intimate knowledge of what other conferences are up to, as somebody who has worked in multiple conferences and been in um college football as long as he has. Uh, here's why it's probably not Kevin Sumlin if he doesn't even let his kids talk to the local media do you really think that he's out on his own diming out the conference to national media members is his name is he related to mike leach <laughs> uh well leach would put his name behind something like true this, I feel like. uh he, well that's yeah he definitely would would not make it he'd be like no you better not put that anonymous you better credit it to me um, I, I would agree. This is not Kevin Sumlin. No way. No how. Yeah, he did. He did break the news of Kevin Sumlin to Arizona. Yeah, he but did, um, but that may have come from somebody in a di- I mean, from somebody at Arizona as opposed to, you know, what I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's possible that that was a um. Uh, who was who was there at the time? Alabama's athletic director. Yeah, Clearly. I don't know. I but I don't know because he also broke the news that Marcel Yates was not going or, or was going to be kept on, and that Noel Mazzoni was going to join on as offensive coordinator. They definitely have a relationship. But I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I've never heard Kevin someone talk like this. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what time of day. Like, it, like if this quote <laughs> were taken after like nine p.m., yeah, it could have been Kevin. Maybe. Yeah, but when was it tweeted out? When was it tweeted out? <laughs> no, no, it, it was. A, it was uh, in his article. It was in his article uh, that he that he wrote. Oh man. I, okay, I, so we don't we don't know. We're not yeah. gonna be able to find out. Okay. Okay, so so I, I would put him in the no category. Um, how about Chip Kelly? Okay, so when I when I tweeted about this, when I quote tweeted this, and I won't reveal what I said, people might have already seen it if they're listening to this and they follow me. And if you follow me on Twitter, I just want to give you some advice. Don't. Uh it's not it's not an enjoyable experience. So <laughs> 
you might as well uh, move along. But uh, the most of the people that replied to me said, no, this definitely has to be Chip. And I disagree entirely. And I think you and I are on the same page as to why I disagree that this is Chip Kelly. Okay, why? Because it gives credence to the We Are United movement, and I don't feel like that's something Chip Kelly would publicly do. 100% agree with you. Or or unless it was like a realization, like, hold up, they, they do have something that they're talking about. <laughs> Damn, like, I should have got, got behind this. I'm going to put it in the... Like Chip doesn't make statements to the media, so if if, if he yeah. did, like this would have to be a private conversation that then Bruce was like, "Yo, is it okay if I use that?" And I just say it. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't. Right. I know people who cover UCLA who can't get a hold of the dude. But then again, like I'm friends with AJ Jacobson who covers uh, um, Oregon for Rivals. And he was really close with Chip. And do you know why he was really close with Chip? Because A.J. Jacobson served in the United States military, and Chip thought that was awesome. So, like, it, you you never really know, you know, whose guy is is whose. And I don't know if if Feldman is somebody who would be the person. And then, but Chip did serve as a national media member. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that at Chip Kelly's first practice, first ever practice as head coach of UCLA, guess who was in attendance? Bruce Feldman. Bruce Feldman. Yeah. Dude, I need I you need to be my damn lifeline if I ever get called on uh who wants to be a millionaire or some sport sports edition. Um so I guess we we will throw Chip in the maybe category with uh yeah, because the level of saltiness, the level of saltiness, uh, for sure. Yeah, and with... It, you know what this is to me? This is all just breadcrumbs, and I'm a carboholic. <laughs> um, so, so Chip goes in the maybe category with Justin Wilcox. All right, let's finish off, I guess, the Pac-12 South with uh, Ty Whittingham. Ty Whittingham? Ty Whittingham. It Kyle. wasn't him. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Whittingham. Jesus. Uh, I, I no. always get, t- dude, I don't know why. I I always try to uh, combine Willingham and Whittingham. I don't know why those names are just so, like, one of them's black, one of them's white, one of them's still coaching, the other one's not. I don't know why these names are so tough for me, but I messed them up. So Kyle Whittingham at Utah, who is furloughed right right now. So is, so is he even allowed to use his university phone? <laughs> so maybe, yeah. So he, here's why it could be him. Um, it could be him because he could be frustrated that he's not getting paid. Um, and the, it, it, part of that quote applies to them. Yep. Like they're literally not ready to go because they're not even at work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's like, you can't just open the damn garage door and go play ping pong. And it's like, because we're not even at work. So, so yes, you, you can't just turn it on. Yeah. Um, I, uh, here, here's why I don't think it's him. Um, 
I think Kyle Whittingham is Mormon. Hmm. Oh, and that that would not be a, a very Mormon quote. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it. And I, now I've known plenty of Mormon. I'm, I live in suburban Arizona, and I spend every summer hanging out in, in Utah. Uh, the, the LDS folks... Uh, now known as the Church of Jesus Christ, they did the uh, like the the Ohio State. Um, they, they are, uh, uh, you know, they're human just like anybody else. And you, you'll have, you, but but at the same time, it, it's not it's not uh, not typical. It's, and I'm you know I've been around him a, a little bit. I've I've gotten to ask him some questions in press conferences and things like that. Um, he's very measured, very measured, even. Uh, the the most animated I've ever seen him was I think he criticized U of A back in 2016 after some nonsense happened in a game and even his anger in that moment was very um, very measured it, it was it, it, you know he's not somebody who's a loose cannon uh, now would does Bruce Feldman have an in with him just like he has an in with everybody else yes but. I think Feldman and Whittingham are friends. I think their relationship goes beyond. This is such speculation on on my part, um, but they talk quite a bit. If you just follow um, what Bruce Feldman has said publicly about Kyle Whittingham, this isn't just somebody that he covers. This is somebody who he has a tremendous amount of uh of respect for and definitely has a personal relationship with so could it be him just because they have that closeness to where kyle whittingham might speak informally to him maybe uh he um, he, 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 he is, is apparently Elvin has publicly pushed kyle whittingham on the nebraska opening and the usc opening he has retweeted the profiles that other writers have written about Kyle Whittingham, which is not something that is commonplace for national reporters. So I would say that it, there's a there's a slight maybe just out of that personal relationship. I'm going to go with no, because he apparently is uh, he was or he's he currently does or has recently served on the uh, on the stake high council. So mm, I don't know. I'm going with a no for for Ty for. For Kyle Whittingham, despite there being numerous reasons for him to want to do it. Um, okay. Okay. So that covers the Pac-12 South. So we got. Well, wait. So so what category are we going to put him in? Um, I'm going to say that it's a possibility, but not above Chip, and I'm not above anybody else that we've said it's a possibility for so far. Okay. So so really we we only have two real possibilities so far in Chip and and um and Justin Wilcox. Okay, let's go to the north where the most likely candidates are. <laughs> um let's start with Nick Rolovich. 100% this would be something he would say. What? The nod to the uh, player movement seems like that would eliminate him. And also, I don't think it's a first-year coach regardless. So he has those two strikes against him. Would he get fired up and say something like this? Yeah, probably. 
Um, did he even he even after he was getting ready to kick players off the team? Well, so it's a solid no for me. Like, there's no way. Would he say something like this outside of the, like, the, the after we heard the whole player movement, you know, his stance on that got recorded? <laughs> P.S. That player is in the transfer portal now. Um, I think it's a 100% no for me. But could I imagine him saying something like this? Yeah, I, I, I definitely could. Hmm. I, I'm I'm gonna lean toward you because I don't know him like that, so I will agree with you and put him in the no category. And I don't think it's first year head coach. Um, how about our kind of guy uh, up at there at uh, Washington, Mister Jimmy Lake? Again, I do not think it's a first year head coach. Yeah, and and I haven't heard him like that's somebody that Bruce has to have a good working relationship with to be able to have this sort of thing. And first year head coach just doesn't say it at all. I mean, like it's different where Rolovich came from a different place, but it's Jimmy Lake's first head coaching job. And I've never read a quote from him that's even remotely controversial. Yes. Yes. Um, the, the, I don't think that Feldman and Jimmy Lake are close, but your boy, Gerald Alexander helped Feldman write an article about Jimmy Lake getting promoted to be head coach and why that was, um, why that was such a big deal to him. Um, but I don't, I don't think that Feldman, as far as, you know, weighing his relationships with all the coaches, um, you know, I think a lot of what he knew about Jimmy Lake and him getting promoted uh, came from his contacts at University of Washington outside of Jimmy Lake, um, even if it was, uh, even if it was Chris Peterson. So I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to say no. Again, okay. I, I don't. I just don't think it was a first-year head coach regardless. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. How about uh, Jonathan Smith at Oregon State? Uh, Jonathan Smith does not have a, a voice. He's like uh, that long-running um, John Oliver uh, joke about Jared Kushner. <laughs> like nobody knows what his voice sounds like. Yeah. Uh, and I, and you know, I've actually heard Jonathan Smith talk. I've, I've interviewed him, um, at Pac-12 media day. Uh, and he, he's super excitable. It just, it, I, this, I, this doesn't give me a Jonathan Smith vibe. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. He, he seems very focused on Oregon state <laughs> and not on a whole lot of anything else. And I, you know, I just doubt it was him who said it. So we got, um, Two coaches left who I feel are probably who initially you said that actually we'll uh, go with Stanford first. We'll go with. um, Oh, Lord. What's his name? David Shaw. Yeah, David, <laughs> David Shaw, um, who, who I think is the most likely candidate to have said this. If you had me choose and bet a betting man. I would choose David Shaw to have said this, even though I 
had trouble with his name for a second. Okay, so that that's your that's your leader in the clubhouse. Huh? That's my leader in the clubhouse. Okay. And, and probably second would probably be um, maybe Chip Cat. No, damn. Like, I guess Justin Wilcox would be my second. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, he would be my second or Mario Cristobal. But, yeah, yeah, that would kind of be my order my list. I mean, it would be interesting for a Stanford coach to reference a sport like ping pong, uh, cause sports like ping pong are what have made the PAC 12, the conference of champions. <laughs> well, 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 and Stan Stanford is that school though. It's the most successful school in terms of championships in the entire country. Just yeah. not in football. Uh, here's why you might be right. David Shaw has been Bruce Feldman's go-to on hot-button issues in the conference since he took over as head coach. Yeah. So um, you're not going to be able to find some of the links because this is back when uh, Bruce Feldman was at Fox uh, and they, they've scrubbed some of that stuff. Um, but Bruce Feldman brought... David Shaw in to talk private quarterback coaches. Bruce Feldman um, had him on a podcast back in 2015 to talk about hot button issues in, um, in college football. Uh, And he has also, let's see. um, There was a couple. uh, So in 2014 and 2015, he brought him in. Um, to talk about like hot button issues, and David Shaw has even tweeted that it's it's always great to have conversations with Bruce Feldman back in I think this is a March 2015 tweet. So they have a relationship. It's been his go to. Uh, he wrote an article back in 2014 that David Shaw is uh, now college football's voice of reason. So there's that. Um, He also put out an article on his top 25 coaches in all of college football. And, you know, I think this is back in March, this March, before the whole pandemic hit, um, the week before the the, um, pandemic hit. And he put him in the top 25 even now. So they definitely have a relationship. He goes to him on hot button issues. Um, he's willing to go out on a limb. I think David Shaw was one of the first people to bring Brenda Tracy in to speak to his team. Uh, he's definitely not afraid to speak his mind. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say, I'd say, in, of everyone we've talked about so far, uh, it's probably most likely him. Yep. See, I knew we would come to an agreement. How about your boy Mario Cristobal, who you initially thought it was? Which, and I still do. I said of everybody we've talked about so far, because this was definitely Mario Cristobal. <laughs> dude, I don't see it, dude. I don't see Mario Cristobal on this at all, because where he said, this isn't ping pong, you just don't open the garage door. So some of the Oregon players were already gone, but they, but their players were already set to come back on Sunday. 
they had recalled all their players on Sunday already. So they already had had a plan to get back to practicing. So that's the, so unless he was not speaking about his team and just speaking about the conference in general, then yeah. But out of the coaches that would have the cojones to say this, I think that he would be one of the ones that that would say it in that fashion. So I'm going to go David Shaw one, Mario Cristobal two, and then um, Justin Wilcox three. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going with Cristobal one and just one. I feel like it had Cristobal energy. Like the quote, I read it in his voice. (laughs) Um. Bruce Feldman put out an article on September 7th. So what is that? A week ago? Yeah. Um, and he, it was on Panay Sewell. And he said, of all the great things you'll hear about Panay Sewell as a prospect between now and the draft day, this Mario Cristobal quote will be tough to top. Uh, and it's just said, I think the guy has a lot of fun kicking ass. So here here I am making the the uh, the connection just because he recently led with a quote from Mario Cristobal that included profanity. So they've been in contact recently. Um, and, and this is going to be a dumb one, but when Oregon hired Mario Cristobal, 750 the fan out of Portland had Bruce Feldman on to talk about what that hire would mean for University of Oregon. This is back in 2017. And um, he was a big fan of that. Yeah. And he said the main takeaway from that interview is you should know that Mario Cristobal is a fiery guy. And to me, that was that quote was fire filled and it was supportive of the players. And he is the biggest players coach in the conference. Maybe bigger than Herm. Well, Herm's Herm's not the coach at, at Arizona State, so I can't I can't take take that room with the. So okay, then you're going to tell me that Antonio Pierce is not a player's coach. Uh, I don't know. He's the uh, boss. I mean, or or agent Ray Anderson isn't player focused. <laughs> no, they Come are. On, I, I would say they are. So um, Mario Cristobal to me is the is is probably the lead players coach of the bunch hasn't chased a whole lot of guys off the football team for, you know, personality conflicts. So, um, yeah, and I, I, that's, that's my, and, and it's not a one, a one B for me. I, it's, it's Mario Cristobal. Number one, David Shaw, number two, Justin Wilcox, number three. Okay. Well, you guys tell us who you guys thought would, um, who you guys thought made this quote, tweet us, send us an email. I'm mad at unafraidshow.com. However you want to get a hold of us, make sure you send it. And also news tried to break before we finish this podcast again. Um, uh, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She passed away. She had been a champion for people's rights, a champion for, uh, you know, and she sat on the Supreme Court with dignity. I don't think she ever had any scandal. And, you know, like some of the other people have have had. And, you know, we just want to honor and at least acknowledge her in this time. 
Yeah, I mean, she, uh, you know, people say they want to keep politics out of sports, but uh, sports have definitely um, <laughs> have definitely uh, been in her purview as a Supreme Court judge. You know, she, um, I think she uh, ruled on Title IX. She's she's part of why we have the system that we we have right now. Uh, for better or worse. Uh, and she dissented on Murphy versus NCAA. Um, and so, I mean, she's definitely had quite a bit to do with with college sports when it's, you know, she's, she's helped shape uh, everything. So this was, uh, this, this is definitely huge news and affects the country. And, and you know, that's somebody who is, um, just as far as my, my, my wife goes, um, you know, that's probably her personal, uh, probably her personal hero. And, you know, that's, uh, I'm, I put it on the equivalent of hearing that, you know, a president, um, yeah, passed this, away. well, th- this is a big deal because of the timing and the, and the, and the political impact that it could potentially have. I think that that's probably the the bigger deal about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was uh, yeah. That's that's rough news, and I definitely, I, I would definitely um, look up some of her uh, her opinions, whether she, you know, helped move the NCAA along, helped move women's sports along, uh, or or even, you know, came out and blocked uh, some stuff that uh, that, that could have potentially. Um, moved move the uh the sport forward I, I i would definitely educate yourself on on uh on where she intersected with sports um because it, it it's definitely um i mean whether it's basketball football you know even pro wrestling all that stuff you know when there's disputes it all it all ends up in front of her so um you know that's it's just definitely a, a very very influential and cornerstone personality in uh, in modern American culture um, and I think even like even horse racing you know she's uh, she, she's had decisions uh, regarding that as well so um, yeah I mean that's that's rough news and it's gonna be it's definitely an interesting time for for the country uh, in general because we're a couple months away from an election and uh, perhaps that will take the president's attention off of uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and, and put it toward the Supreme Court. <laughs> right. And if you thought that this year had been contentious already put politically, wait for the next month and a half. Oh, boy. <sighs> or, or even after. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, thank you guys for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles. Peace out. Catch you guys next emergency episode if we need one.